Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Praise God. Gospel of John, chapter 16. Now last week, by the Word of God, and always remember that phrase, by the Word of God, we determined that God does not put negative things into our life. He doesn't even allow it. We're the ones that allow it. And many times, let me just say this, church. In our own lives, in my life, and uh, the life of our family, our, our, our Lee and I's family, then our, uh, the Martin family, uh, we, uh, you know, many years ago began our walk in this uh, back in the early 60s. But we didn't have the knowledge. We, we didn't have the knowledge uh, that we have today. Our first pastors that were really used of God, uh, not only in teaching the Word of God, but in the, in the move of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost, brother and sister J.R. Goodwin. Uh, now, they had three children, two sons and a daughter, and they had a little daughter that was just precious to them, just loved them, and they lost that little girl at age 12. And years later, Dad Goodwin made this statement. He said, if I would have known then what I know now, we could have saved my daughter. He says, now she's in heaven, and we don't, you know, we don't live in any regret or anything. But I'm telling you, there needs to come an appreciation in us of what we know. Uh, because I'm telling you, church, what we know works. What we know. Now, what we don't know, we're trusting God to show us. Amen. But last week, we determined uh, God is not our problem. God is not the one that sends calamity and trial. He doesn't give you cancer. He doesn't give you bankruptcy. He doesn't put you in the divorce court. He is, he is a God of goodness and grace and mercy and favor. But we live on a fallen planet. This planet is in a state of deterioration. If you can't tell that, just look around a little bit. Amen. Uh, uh, we, 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 our bodies are in a state of decay. I mean, our minds must be constantly renewed by the Word of God. And we've got an adversary that's crazy, loosed upon this earth. But thank God we have authority over him. Now, today we want to talk about two different things. And I'm going to do my best to, to, to get them both uh, taught on. Number one, God loves you. Now, I know we can pull that from, from, from what we talked about last week, but I want you to see it in the Word of God that God loves you. We used the Scripture already, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, we see that. People hold that up at the baseball game and at the football game and at the, you know, everywhere you go, you see that. But people kind of receive that kind of universally, you know, like, like Elvis loves you because you bought his album or something, you know. But I want you to know God specifically loves you as an individual. He loves you as your very own heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Now, did you find John, uh, John chapter 16? Just a quick scripture. Then we're going to use several scriptures this morning because we need to to establish these things. Now, notice uh, where are we at here. Verse 20, uh, 27, Gospel of John chapter 16. It says this, For the Father himself loveth you. That's in red letters in my Bible. That means Jesus is saying this to me. Everybody say, God loves me. Say, God loves me. Now say it like this. Say, God loves me because Jesus said he did, and I believe Jesus. Amen. Now notice this, though. For the Father himself loveth you because ye have loved me and have believed that I am come out from God. Now, how many believe that Jesus came from God? Amen. How many believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, just because of that, God loves you. 
Now, now we take it so for granted around her. I think, what, uh, when was it, Brother Roland? Three or four years ago, we, we, had a, we had a whole fall harvest conference. What was the theme of that? God loves you or, or, or God's not your problem or something like that. The, the, the world does not understand that. There are churches this morning that will get up and the pastors will teach and preach that whatever you're going through, God put that on you. God allowed that into your life. God allowed that little child to die. God allowed that report of cancer in your body. God allowed that bankruptcy. to He allowed you because he's teaching you some great eternal spiritual lesson. Please don't teach me no lesson like that. Can I get a better amen? Please don't. I don't want to learn no lesson like that. I want to learn my lessons through the word of God, through obedience, through worship, through prayer, through all the good things. I don't want to learn no lessons like that. Those are hard lessons. But if you don't learn the easy lessons, you're going to have to learn the hard lessons. The Bible says of the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt, it said God led them in easy stages. That means he didn't make it hard for them to go there. He didn't make it hard for them to come out. He didn't make it hard for them to go and possess the, uh, the land that flowed with milk and honey. But they chose another route. They chose the hard route. And listen, I plead with you as your pastor this morning, don't choose the hard route. You say, why? Because the hard route's the hard route. God loves you. He cares for you. He, he loves, he just wants to do all this good stuff for you. Now go to Ephesians real quick. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look real quick in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, it's, it's, it's hard for me. I'm a, the teacher part of me kicks in. I want to teach on all this stuff, but I've got to stay with my subject this morning. Uh, let's just begin in verse, uh, uh, verse 3, Ephesians chapter 2. Among whom also we had our conversation or lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Now, this, is, this describes us before Christ. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as others. Now that's all of us before Christ. That's all of us before salvation. That's all of us. It's, it's just the nature of a sinner to sin. Amen. I was out in a field yesterday and we drove into this field in a four-wheeler and there were probably uh, 30,000 ducks and geese in that field. And they rose up off of that field and you know what? All of the geese were honking and all of the ducks were quacking. You know Why? Are you ready? It's real simple. It's their nature. Dogs bark, cats meow, ducks quack, sinners sin. You say, well, it's their, that's why don't get mad at sinners. Don't get upset because they were just like you. By nature. By nature. It was in them. It was by nature. But now notice this. But God. Oh, thank God for all the but gods in the Bible. But God who is rich in mercy. Now listen to this. For his great love wherein he loved us. I mean, he loved us with a great love. And he loves us with a great love. Not just love. I'm, I'm telling you, when it came time to translate the word of God from that Aramaic into the Greek, from the Greek into the English when King James did it, they could not find any other word in John chapter 3 to put in there. So they just put God so loved the world. He so loved the world. It's a great love. It's an unmeasurable love. It's a bountiful love. And it's a love that's extended to every person on the planet, to whosoever will. Listen, the problem with a lot of people, when they reject God, they don't realize they're rejecting His love. You can fight doctrine. 
You can fight the church. You can fight tradition. You can fight religion. You can fight all kinds, but you can't fight the love of God because once the love of God gets a hold of you, there is nothing you can do. It will melt you like an ice cube in July in Galveston. It'll melt down your inhibitions. It'll melt your sin down. I'm telling you, when he touches you with his love, there is nothing on this earth that can be compared to it. You being here today is a testimony of that. Now just turn the page over to chapter 3. Chapter 3, this great prayer that is prayed, beginning there in verse, uh, beginning in verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with his might by his spirit in your inner man. Now notice this. That Christ may dwell in your heart by love, by faith, excuse me. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Now what does God want you rooted and grounded in? But it's his love towards you. Many times we think our faith is rooted and grounded in our ability to love others. Thank God it's not. I said, thank God it's not. Has anybody ever had a love failure? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Every one of us have. Every one of us have had love failures in our life. But the good news is we're rooted and grounded in the love that God has for us. No matter how we fail, no matter where we've missed it, no matter what's happened in our life, God still loves you and you cannot escape the love of God. I'm telling you, say, well, I've had it with all this preaching and Christianity and faith and prosperity and all this kind. I've had it with that. I'm telling you, I'm not coming back to church. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm throwing my Bible in the garden. I don't care. God's love will follow you out the door. God's love will follow you into the beard. I heard the testimony of a man. He had a great church in, in California. I mean, a big church, 8,000, 8, 10,000 people. And some very negative things happened in his life. And he got away from God, backslid, gave up his church, just, just, just some very bad things happened to him. So I heard, this I heard him tell this testimony. He said, you know, I started doing drugs again, started drinking again. He said, I was in a bar. He said, I went into the bathroom. He said, I'm in the bathroom. He said, next thing I know, I look around, and there's about 20 people in there, men and women. Men and women in the men's bathroom. And he said, they came up to him and started saying this, Pastor, I need prayer. Would you pray for me? Pastor, I need prayer. Would you pray? He said, I couldn't get away from the love of God. He said, God loved me so much, he sent my flock into the bathroom of a bar for me to pray for them. Amen? I mean, that's how much God loves you. God cares. I knew, a, knew a, a friend of mine who's an evangelist. They were having quite a meeting over on the East Coast. And there was a, 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 a man, a man and a woman who were living together that were both strippers. He stripped in the male uh, strip club. She stripped in the field. He got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues. So he gets in his car and drives to his girlfriend's strip joint, walks into the strip joint. She's up on the stage. She steps down. He goes, I want you to meet my God. Touched her on the forehead and she fell out under the power of God. In a strip club. There's nothing on this earth that can resist the love of Almighty God. Now notice what it says here. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Now notice this. 
and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, what's he talking about here? Notice that word know there. That word know in the Greek is that you may experience, that you may experience, that you may experience. Now listen, when you walk away from God, God just kind of keeps his hand of grace on you so the devil can't destroy you. But when you come back and you start serving God, God wants you to begin to experience his love, experience his love over and over and over. And he says this, that you may figure out what are the measurements because you can't measure it. And that God will take that love and fill you with what? All of his fullness. He wants to fill you up with the love of God. From the bottom of your feet to the crown of your head, down your arms, your fingers, wherever where you go, you're just saturated with the love of God. And then the scripture is this. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the what? Power that works in you. Everybody say power. power. Now, that power is the power of God's love. So we need more faith. I'm telling you, you got so much faith in you, you don't know what to do with it. Your problem is you're not getting it to operate correctly because it's not been fueled by the love that you need to fuel it with. And let me just say this. Some of you right now in your life, you're having a great opportunity to walk in love. You need to take that opportunity. You say, why is that? God's fueling your faith for a miracle. God's fueling your faith for something powerful that he's fixing to do in your life. Now, everybody say, God loves me. Say, I love God. Say, I will experience the love of God. I will be filled with the love of God. I will walk in love. In Jesus' name. Now, the point we want to make, God loves you, but now you loving God. Your return or your response to God because of his love. Now, let me find the scripture. I got so many scriptures marked. Let me get the right one. Let me get the right one. Yeah, go to Romans. This is good. Thank you, Lord. Turn to the right one right off the bat. Go to Romans chapter 13. Now, just, let's just look at one scripture so I don't get myself in trouble. Verse 10, Romans 13, 10 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Now, we're going to pick that scripture up either next week or the next week and show you some things about it. I want you to see the, 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 the second part of this scripture. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, do you see that? Now, don't, don't, don't take, the, take the other side of that scripture. Just kind of put it on the back burner for a moment. Now, the second half. Now, notice it again. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Everybody say that. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, we know when Jesus came to the earth. When Jesus came to the earth, that was an expression of God's love toward us. To redeem humanity through what he had done. Now, we begin immediately to see responses. Actually, I'd like to say it like this, on the day of conception. You say, what do you mean on the day of conception? We'll study this on Christmas Eve. On the day of conception, Mary went to Elizabeth's house. And the Bible says that Elizabeth, 
the, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that's a New Testament term. That's not an Old Testament term. That's a new, I'm telling you, there's some, some cross dispensational things that are happening there. And then we know uh, upon his birth, wise men came. Uh, we know that uh, there were two old uh, prophet and a prophetess, intercessors in the temple uh, that believed God that, that, it, uh, you know, that they would not die till they had seen uh, the redemption of Israel. And they saw it before they died. So we begin to see all of these things begin to happen. But we know under that old covenant there was a legalistic law. And the problem is a lot of Christians, they, they come into the liberty of salvation and all that God has provided for them and they end up in legalism. They create a law for themselves. Now, Jesus came and lived 30 years. And there's really not any recording of what went on in his life, although we see him at 12 years old. So he's an unusual person. But at age 30, because he was the Son of Man, in submission to the ministry of John the Baptist, that which God was doing through John, he was baptized in the Jordan River. Are you with me? And he was anointed by the Holy Ghost. Now, it is because of that anointing. It's not because he was deity upon the earth. It is because of that anointing that the supernatural operated in his life. Amen. He wasn't doing signs and wonders and miracles to prove that he was the Son of God. Actually, uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 38 gives us the picture of it. He says, how God anointed, how God anointed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Now, everything that Jesus did pleased the Father. And everything that Jesus did made, made those that were under that law mad. They challenged him on the law. And every time he did, he just, just, he just released great revelation and wisdom. Amen? Amen? But now Jesus, because he was son of man, is subject to the same thing as we are. He was down on earth. He loves the Father. The Father loves him. The words that he says are the words of the Father. The deeds that he does are the deeds of the Father, which that is the template that God wants for you and I. The words that we say are the words of the Father. The deeds that we do are the deeds of the Father. And God wants us to know He loves us. He wants us to receive that love and return that love back to Him. And that love is returned back to Him in many ways. Through obedience, through faithfulness, through servitude. But there is a key. There is a principle. There is a place that if you do not get to that place, then you're going to struggle in your walk with God. And God wants you to get to that place where your love is returned back to the Father in such a way that you can begin in your life to know or to experience the love of God in every area. Amen. You say, now what, what, what could that be? It's your worship. Now, Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 22. Then we'll go to Matthew chapter 3. Actually, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 22 real quick. Back, we're going to back all this up with Scripture. Verse 36, 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Now notice this. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Do you see that? So God wants us to love Him. He wants us to return that love. And He wants us to love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, our mind, our emotions, our will, and with all of our mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now notice this. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Now I'm telling you, church, there's something important being said here. There is a principle that if you enter into this, your days of struggling when it comes to serving God are over. Amen? Amen? Now he says, listen to it again. He says, on these two commandments, what two commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. See, here's how it is. We understand that God loves us. God does not want to hurt us. God does not want to harm us. We begin to have an understanding of God loves us. God cares for us. What that does for you is gives you value. Let me try that again. It gives you value. You say, why? Because it counts you as eternal. You see your eternal worth to your heavenly father. Now listen, society will value you based on performance. As long as you got a good performance, brother, we'll give you the trophy. We'll exalt you. But you start having bad days, then we won't exalt you no more. We'll take away your trophy. Come on, church. That's exactly what we'll do. But when you begin to realize God loves me unconditionally, God loves me no matter what, God loves me, God cares for me, then all of a sudden, the value that you need as a human being on the earth, mama can't give it to you, daddy, they can give you some self-worth, they, they can give you some things about you that will help you. But when you begin to realize this being that created the universe, that, 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 that has created all that was and is and will ever be, this being loves me, he cares for me, he does not want to hurt me, that will cause the value level in yourself to rise to a point where you'll begin to love yourself. You'll begin to value yourself. So many Christians have such a poor spiritual self-esteem. You do not need to have it because it's not based on your performance. You know, God loves Oral Roberts or God loves Billy Graham or God loves Brother Copeland or God, God loves Brother Ryan. No, no. God loves you just as much as anybody on the planet because it's not based on performance. Then God says, once you figure out that I love you, I care for you, I don't want to hurt you, then I want you to return. I want you to love me. Because if you see I love you, and you gain that value, and then you love me, then love starts working. Love starts operating. Then you can begin to love your neighbor. Jesus uses the word neighbor, but in John, the, God, the, the uh, letters from John, he talks about your brothers and sisters in the church. And then as that love develops in us, we love God, God loves us, we love our brothers and sisters in the church, we can take that love and we can shake the island with it and we can shake Galveston County and we can shake everywhere we go in the world, we can shake it for Jesus and we can cast out devils and we can see the sick get healed and we can see the oppressed get delivered. You say, why? Because on this hangs all the law and the prophets. That means everything that God has ever said gets activated. Matthew 4, real quick. Real quick. We'll go to Matthew 4, then we'll go to Psalms, and we'll be finished with Scripture. Well, we're never finished with Scripture. Now we know in chapter 4, all of these temptations begin to come against Jesus. He was baptized, anointed, begin to do the will of God. He said, what does that mean? You start doing the will of God, there's going to be opposition. Amen. So the first one came against his flesh. The second one came against his mind. Now notice the third one. He said, then uh, uh, again the devil taketh them. This would be in verse 8. Again the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain 
and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, all these things will I give thee. Now at that point in time, that's what Satan possessed. All the kingdoms of the world. Now this temptation was not just about Jesus getting the kingdoms. Now notice this. He said, all of all these things will I give thee. If thou, shall, if thou will bow down, fall down, and worship me. Everybody say, worship me. Then said Jesus, get thee hence Satan. Now notice this, this is what I want you to see. For it is written, thou shalt not worship, uh, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now here we go. Notice it again. That last phrase. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. Now, you want to make the devil mad. You want to get the devil out of your life. Cancer out of your body. Debt out of your finances. You're going to have to take these two words and make them your life. Well, it's easy to sit on Sunday morning and amen that, but I'm going to give you some more stuff today that's going to help you. Now, notice it. Worship and serve. I say worship and serve. Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Now, you've got to understand something, church. That so many people find a place of apathy and complacency in their spiritual walk because their worship is not hot, and because their worship is not hot, I'm just going to use that term, their servitude is way down low. You live life. You pray. You may even read your Bible. You come to church on Sunday morning. You may even attend a prayer service every, every once in a while. Come on a, come on a Wednesday night every once in a while. Uh, but still, when it comes down to the real blessing of God, none of you in here, including Pastor Rusty, none of us in here are where God wants us to be. And none of us have what God wants us to have. Why not? Why not? Why do we struggle? It's our worship and servitude. Serving God. It's actually like this. Serving God and serving people. It's that simple. It's that simple. Serving God, serving people. Serving God, serving people. Serving God, serving people. Serving God. You say, why? Because serving God is proof of your love. To the depth that you serve God, that is to the depth that you love God. To the depth that you worship God opens your own heart and shows you have received that love because you cannot worship anything you do not dearly love. Amen. And above all others, God requires that worship of you. Now notice this next verse, verse 11. It says, Then the devil leaveth, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. This so rattled the devil. It did. He didn't get rattled in the first temptation. He didn't get rattled in the second temptation. But brother, in that third temptation, when Jesus took it to the level of serving and worshiping and said, I'm telling you, devil, I'm not falling for this trick. I'm not going to worship you. I'm not going to worship myself. I'm not going to worship flesh. I'm not going to worship my education. I'm not going to worship my husband. I'm not going to worship my wife. I'm not going to worship my money. I'm not going to worship any of that. I'm going to worship and serve God. Amen. Then the devil ran and took off. And this shows us right here 
Satan cannot live in the atmosphere of worship and servitude. Now, real quick, go to Psalms. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to take off my coat. I'm hot. That's a warm coat. It's a hot coat. Now, go to, go to Psalms. Now, listen. Everybody say worship. Now, there's two dimensions of worship in your life. There's corporate worship and there's personal worship. Amen? Now, your worship is your expression of love toward God. Now, Psalms 112, this, let's look at in the church. Everybody say in the church. First verse 1, Psalms 111. Excuse me, not Psalms 112. 111, then we'll go to 112. Psalms 111. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord, how? With my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. So that's talking about what? Talking about us worshiping together. It says, the works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His works are honorable and glorious. His righteousness endureth forever. He hath made, he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious, gracious and full of compassion. He giveth meat. Another word for that is he giveth, says in the Amplified, he giveth food and provision. Did you know the food and provision of this week is determined by your worship in this service? That's what the Bible says. He giveth food and provision. That's what it says in the Amplified. He giveth meat unto them that fear him. Now that word fear, you have to understand that out of the Hebrew they translated the Old Testament. Out of the Greek, they translated the New Testament. Now, that word fear, in the Amplified, it says this. He hath given food and provision to those who reverently worship and fear. Every time you see the word fear in the King James, under the, in the Old Covenant, they have taken the word worship out and put the word fear in. Did you know that? This literally is saying, He hath given provision unto them that worship Him. He will be ever mindful of his covenant. When? In your worship. Amen. Everybody say, in my worship. He has showed his people the power of his works. You want to see the power of his works? You worship God. That he may give them a heritage. Oh, man, I don't know if I'll ever read this one. That he may give them the heritage of the heathen. Do you want to hear what that says? Stuff that the world owns, stuff that the devil owns, he wants to give it to you. But when do you get it? When you worship God. I said when you worship God. Now notice this. They that stand fast forever and ever, uh, they stand fast forever and ever and are, and are done and are done in truth and righteousness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commended his covenant forever, holy and reverent in his name. The fear of the Lord or the worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have they of all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Now, when we worship God, after we, after we praise the Lord, and we, we take our offering and, and we're, we're worshiping to bring that atmosphere in here so we can minister to people. In our worship, we need to change as a church. Number one, our altars are always open. Now, I don't do it as much as I, well, I just don't do it that much. I do it every once in a while. The reason is, is I got to stay as a pastor and conduct the service. But I could very easily lose myself in worship and I'm done. 
Brother Roland's got to take it over. Somebody else have to take it over. But that's I'm called to do this. I'm called to teach the Word. I'm called to prepare every week. I'm called to, to minister by the Spirit. I'm called to do these things. But listen, when it comes to worship, th- these altars ought to be packed with people on their knees, with their hands in the air, with tears coming down their faces, worshiping their God. We stand around like some denominational church worshiping God. And we sense the presence and the glory. It ought to move you to worship. If I'm in somebody else's church, I'm telling you, there are many times when I wasn't preaching it, fire for the nations, it wasn't my night to preach them. Man, I start worshiping God. I'll start, I'll get caught up. There's been times right here, I'll get on my knees in tears and stuff. I've had to roll in a semi. he'll, he'll, He'll carry on the service a little longer so I can compose myself and get up there and do what I'm supposed to do because I'm so overwhelmed with worshiping God. If you've never worshipped God, till tears begin to roll down your face. Till you begin to sense the presence of the Lord. Where you're opening up your heart and saying, Lord, I worship you. You love me. I'm so thankful for you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I worship you. I worship you, Heavenly Father. I glorify your name. If you've never done that, you've never experienced God. And when you experience God on that level, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. So I'm just telling you as a church, we begin to worship God. You want to come up here, get on your knees, lift your hands, begin to worship. You say, well, what if nothing happens? You can't come with that attitude. I said, you can't come to anything that God does with that kind of attitude. And a lot of people are like that because a lot of people are looking for feelings. You're not looking for feeling, you're looking for affirmation. To where you have worshiped God, you've lifted your hands, you've glorified Him, and down deep in your heart you know that God and you have touched David said it like this, that heaven and earth is kissed and I got caught right in the middle. That's what the psalmist said. Amen. He said, well, what will people think? That's most people's problem when it comes to worship. Pride will inhibit your worship on every level. On every level. And people that are proud, I'll tell you, the, the, church, the churches are full. Denominational churches, churches that could care less about the power of God, churches that could care less about God, they, 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 they'll, they'll stand there like wooden Indians. They won't even lift their hands. They don't even say hallelujah. They don't even say praise the Lord. But I don't want you, even like that song we were singing tonight, that's out of Isaiah. That's a picture of actually what goes on, goes on in heaven. I sat under a Hebrew teacher who taught that scripture and said in heaven, you got angels on one side, you got saints on the other, you got God in the middle, and the saints are going, hold! Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And the angels go, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And the earth goes like this. Well, not at Island Church. I mean, that's the very activity of heaven right now. That's what's happening. Those angels are crying. The the saints are crying. God is receiving worship from his family in heaven. And he's looking down on the earth saying, where are those that will worship me? If they'll worship me, I'll get cancer out of their life. I'll, I'll bless their finances. I'll build that building. I'll do whatever they want me to do if they'll just worship me. Amen. Well, that's in the church. What about you? What about your house? Now, let me just say this. If you will learn to worship, wherever you learn to worship, that is where God will be. Amen. Amen. Psalms 112. Praise ye the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. 
Now look, here it is. We're not talking about the church. Blessed is the man. So I say it like this. Blessed is the man or the woman that worships the Lord. Blessed, that means empowered. And that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Now notice this. His seed shall be mighty. Now let me just say something to you. In our home, when we grew up as children, we had a mom and dad that worshiped God in their house. They worshiped God in their house. They prayed with their children. They read the Bible. They worshiped God and they took us to worship in the church. And their seed is mighty upon the earth. I said, their seed is mighty. He said, well, my kids are grown. It doesn't matter. You can worship God and get them back. I said, you can worship God and get them back. But now this is talking about you that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Now notice this. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Amen. Now, Lee and I, we started in this, this August will be 32 years ago. And we didn't have wealth and riches and we didn't have a house. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't have nothing. We had, I had a lawn chair and I had a, had a spool that had been, some ugly carpet had been put on. And I had a couple of fishing rods, a shotgun, two bags of decoys, a Labrador retriever and two surfboards. We didn't have nothing. I'm telling you nothing to start life with. But we begin to worship God. I said, we begin to worship God in our home. Not because we were in the ministry, not because we were preachers, because we were children of God. And now today, you come to our home. You say, what's in your home? Riches and wealth. Listen, people, I've heard people say, hey, he lives out there in that big house on the bay. And thinks he's, I don't care what you think. God gave me that house. I said, God gave me that house. Because I worship God in my house. He gave me a house. Come on, church. There's no devils in our house. There's no demons in our house. There's none of that. You say, why? We worship God in our house. And when you worship God in your house, God will put riches and wealth and honor and blessing. And he'll give you a house to worship him in. Right, sweetie? Got her crying now. <laughs> Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. Well, you've just never had any darkness in your house. Oh, honey, we have too. We've had sickness come, we've had poverty come, we've had disaster come. We've seen our home destroyed, but I'm telling you, every time darkness came, light rose up in the midst of that darkness because in our house, we worship God. Come on, church. I'll start getting in the spirit. I can't see these words. Unto the upright ariseth light in the darkness. His grace, he, he is gracious. He's full of compassion and righteousness. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteousness shall be an everlasting remembrance. Listen to this. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? His heart is fixed and trusting in the Lord. 
Yes, we've had evil tidings. Yes, we've had things said to us by doctors and by bankers and by everybody else you can think of. But I'm telling you, none of them, none of them moved us because we worship God. Because we worship God in our home. I'm going to say worship God. He had dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. He's talking about you. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. Do you make the world mad? Does the world look at you and say, I don't like that? Amen. I remember years ago, Brother Kenneth Copeland was believing God for an airplane, for a jet. Some of y'all know this testimony. And Dr. Oral Roberts and his son Richard were praying at Oral Roberts because they were in such debt. And so they were praying about a seed to give. So they went up in the prayer tower and began to worship God. And, and, and so he cried out to God, said, God, this is your college. This is your university. We're millions of dollars in debt. He said, uh, uh, why don't you give me, why don't you give me to, uh, 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 some money so I can pay the debt off this school? Now, he, this all came to him in worship, in worshiping God. And he said, God spoke to him and said, well, you ain't got nothing out there I can work with. He said, if you've already exhausted the return on all the seeds you've given, you're going to have to give something. He said, what can, what, what can I give? And the Lord said, give that jet to Kenneth Copeland. Four and a half, five million dollar jet. He's like, What? Because in worship, there's sacrifice. In worship, God will talk to you. And in worship, God will minister to you. And in worship, God will give you instructions. But when you get those instructions, some of y'all remember when this happened because it's all over the news. He talked about needing $9 million and he was going to go home to be with the Lord. Boy, the news chewed him up. The wicked were grieved with that. Amen. It's all over the news. Well, he got up. He told his son. They wrapped that thing up. They called the Copelands. They come picked it up and it was done. Next thing you know, some heathen racetrack owner that could care less about God, the things of God. He was so grieved every night hearing about this preacher saying he was going to go to heaven if God didn't give him $9 million. He wrote a check for $9 million. What did it say in 111? That the heritage of the heathen would belong unto us. I'm telling you, we could be so blessed by God. God could put his favor that I'm telling you, Budweiser would come write a check for that church and say, build that church and quit praying like you're praying. We say, no, we'll build the church, but we're going to keep praying like we're praying. Amen. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. They shall gnash with their teeth, but melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was studying this this week, meditating on it, praying over it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, the majority of the needs in this church will be met if people will worship. You're, listen, your issue is not faith. You don't understand, church. I go to places and people come from everywhere to hear me teach on faith. I've taught you all so much faith, you're full to the top, but it's not in operation. It's not working. Your faith needs to work. It needs to come online. It needs to be active. You know to believe in your heart. You know to confess with your mouth. You know to act on it. You know to stand on it and rejoice. I've taught you year after year after year after year after year after year after year. You've seen it work in our lives. You've seen it work in the church. Now it needs to work for you. And the hidden component, that's what you do not see, is the worship that Lee and I have together as a husband and wife. We worship in our home. Then we come. I'm telling you, when she's 90 years old, she's going to be up there worshiping God. 
You say, why? She is a worshiper. She worships him, worships him, and so do I. Listen, men, don't you, well, we'll let the wife do it. Honey, you heard what he said. You'll never get nothing. You need to walk in your house, man. You need to put your hands up. You need to say, devil, this house is going to be a house of worship. We're going to begin to worship God in here. God's going to bless my family. God's going to bless my children. My sons and my daughters shall prosper and be blessed. They shall succeed in everything they do. They got everything they put their hand to will prosper because I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to worship you, Lord. I'm going to walk up and down. I'm going to walk up and down my halls. I'm going to walk into my bedroom, and I'm going to worship you. And I tell you, start out by yourself. It won't be long. You'll look behind you and there your wife will be worshiping. You'll look behind and there your, there your son or your daughter will. They'll be worshiping God. They'll be magnifying God. Next thing you know, God will set up a habitation in your house. And where God lives, the devil can't live. And in our church, thank God, today we started praising God and the anointing just came in. We sing out our praise. We started to, and listen, when worship begins to, listen, when we begin to praise God and you sense that anointing, that's your, that's your cue. Dance, to shout, to run, to praise God, to worship God, to activate that thing on the inside of you. Listen, faith is looking for an expression through you. It's not just standing, well, I believed in my heart. I confessed with my mouth. Now I'm just waiting for God to do something. He's waiting for your worship. He's waiting for your praise. He's waiting for you to act like what you're believing him for, him for is yours now. Is yours right now for the church that the building is on. We've done that so much. That's why every offering we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. On Saturday nights, I walk around here. I worship you, Lord. I thank you for that building. I thank you that it's mine. Come on, church. That's why in our home, we say, Father, we thank you. This is not a place the flu can stay. This is not a place colds can come. This is not a place de- disease can abide. This is, not, this is not a place of debt or lack. This is this house that you've given us. This house is a place of, but we did that in our little house that we didn't even own, that we rented. And then God gave us a better house. Then God gave us a better house. Then God gave us a better house. And then God gave us a better house. And he just keeps giving us more and better and more and better and more and better. You say, why? Because we keep on worshiping and worshiping because the more you do it, the more you want to do it. You worship God 10, 15 minutes and go to work. You'll find out that you'll have one of the best days you've ever had in your life. You'll be positive. Your attitude will be up. Nothing will really fun. You worship God 30 minutes. And you'll feel some fire. I'm telling you this from experience. You'll sense some, you know, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus today. That's why Jesus doesn't get promoted near as much because people don't worship him. Amen. Now you worship God for an hour. You'll start out, your mouth will start to get dry. Then you'll find this sweet, kind of taste in your mouth. You'll start sensing there's something here other than me. You worship God for two hours. Now, when I was in Bible school, I had an experience in the prayer, in the prayer. I'm gone over time. Is this okay? I, I had an experience in the prayer room at Lakewood that just, I, I still to this day, I, I don't know all of the, everything about it. It was just, it was incredible. And so about three weeks later, I don't know where my, my parents were gone somewhere because they weren't at home. I remember this. And I began to worship God in their home, in their house. And I worshiped God for about two hours. 
And I'm telling you, I came around where our kitchen was. There was a door. There was a kitchen like this and then a, what would you call it? Like a breakfast nook and then a door that went into the formal living room. And I came by that table and walked in to that living room. And when I did, I walked into the glory of God. This just as a Bible school student after worshiping God for two hours. And I'm telling you, I hit the floor. Boom! I couldn't get up. I was glued to the floor. And the glory of God just filled, I've never told anybody, the glory of God just filled that, just filled that room up, filled that room. From that point on, I never had a problem with school. I mean, I was ready to give up because I wasn't a very good student. I couldn't, I couldn't study. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to have to learn to do this by faith. You're going to have to learn to worship me. And I started worshiping God. And from that point on, I had such an easy way through Bible school that I got, a, I got a, a, an award for academic excellence. Hangs in my office right now. It's been 30-something years ago. came from worshiping God. Let me tell you something, church. If you will worship God, what does it say? When Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, I'll close with this. He said God does what? doesn't say he seeks for fame and fortune. doesn't say he's seeking for great people with great ability. He says he seeks for those that will worship and worship him in spirit and truth. Some of you don't even have a song. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, Lee, you can ask Lee, there's all, I'm always singing some song around the house. You say, why? Because the devil hadn't stole my songs. I sing old hymns. I sing all these songs. You know? I mean, I just do it all the time. If you don't have a song, you need to get a song. You need to make a decision in your own heart. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship, worship God at church. When the worship strikes up, I'm gonna, I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to come down to that front. I'm going to kneel at that offer. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to worship God. You see what will start happening in this church. It will change this church radically. You go to your home, you lift up your hands, you walk. Whether it's a trailer house, a, a one-room apartment, or whether you live in a mansion on a hill someplace. You go start walking, in that, walking around that house, worshiping God, glorifying God for who He is. You watch how your home changes. You watch how your house changes. You watch how God starts blessing you. Because I'm telling you, God's blessings are wrapped up and ready to be poured out in the lives of those that will worship Him. Your worship is your expression of your love to your God. Well, God knows I love Him. No, He doesn't. He does not believe a word you say. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you. Well, God knows I love Him. No, He doesn't. You have to show Him. I said, you have to show Him. And if you'll show Him that you love Him, I'm going to show you, Lord. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to glorify. And I've seen people for years bless their hearts. And God was right there ready to just give them a miracle. If they would respond, just respond. Give any response of worship to God. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you, by the word of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you're going to have answers to your prayers, breakthroughs in your life. Cancer can't live in a house where people worship God. Debt can't live in a house where people worship God. Depression can't live in a house where people worship God. I'm telling you, you name the problem. It can't live in the house of a worshiper. You say, why? That is your expression to God. And as long as you're giving that, He's going to pour out mercy, grace, favor, blessing, everything else you need. He's going to pour it out in your life. Amen. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you now. Lord, we glorify your name. We thank you for the word of God that instructs us this morning.
Father, I thank you that in our lives, in our home, in our church, our worship is going to change. It's going to come on another level. It's going to come into another place where we begin to step up in our worship, step up in our magnifying you, step up in our glorifying you, step up in our exalting you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I really have to say that? Okay. That's why so many people find it hard to come to church any other time than Sunday. From Sunday to Sunday, you kind of live off the worship that goes on. But I'm telling you, you start really worshiping God, you'll be in the house of God every time the doors are open. The other day, I was praying. You know, whenever God touches you and gives you any kind of affirmation, it's really cool. I don't know if you've ever had any in your life. I've had a couple, but the other day I was saying, Lord, man, I was just praying. I was kind of excited. I was worshiping God. And I just said, Lord, I remember back when I was in Bible school and when I first got right with you, Lord, I remember, man, I'd go everywhere to every service. And, you know, just if the doors were open, I'd go. And the Lord says, you're still doing that. That's what he told me. He said, you're still doing that. You go to every service. He says, you go, to, you go to services all over the world now. He says, you're just on the other side of the service now. Because you've worshipped me, I took you out of the congregation and put you up in front of everybody. I just started weeping. Right there in my truck, I just started weeping. I said, oh, Lord, you're so good. He will withhold nothing. I'm telling you, nothing. My worship ever since I taught on it back in January and February, March, has gone to another level. And today it's going to go to another level. And next year it's going to go to another level. That's the number one thing the devil hates. Because that is what he is no longer allowed to do. That was his destiny. That was his purpose. That was why he was created. And that was what he was equipped for, was to worship and serve the Lord. And he got full of iniquity and he fell. And now every one of us have been called to take his place, to give honor and glory and worship to God. That's why the enemy fights it so much. But the Bible says there in Matthew 4:11, then the devil leaveth and angels came and ministered unto him. Hallelujah. Ever head bowed, ever eye closed for just a moment? I know most of us are home folk here today, but let me make sure. If you're here today, say, Babe, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God this morning. Maybe you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. But you'd like to today. But you'd like to today. Would you raise your hand? Anyone else? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Praise the Lord. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment, let me ask you a question. How many would say, Pastor Rusty, that's, uh, that's really what I needed to hear today. And I'm going to vow today to worship God. To worship God in my church and to worship God in my home. I want to see your hand. Anyone at all? Praise God. Glory to God. Good. Hands all over the building. If you will vow to God to worship Him. I mean, make a vow. Get on your knees at your house. Lift up your hands and say, Father, I vow to worship You. That He will give you the strength he will give you the wherewithal. He will give you the wisdom and He will give you the information that you need. And He will give you the anointing to worship Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you love the Lord today. You glad you came to church? 
Glory to God. Stand on your feet this morning, if you will. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name today. Lord, as we close, as we always do, as our tradition, we pray Psalms 91 over the church. We know several families aren't here today. We know it's the holiday season. But we declare, Lord, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We as your people walk on serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. And we declare nothing shall by any means harm us. So, Father, as we leave today, we know that outside the four walls of the church, the world has gone crazy. There's crime, there's wicked men, women, drugs, there's things that are beyond the scope of whatever anyone would ever think would come upon this planet. But Lord, we know we're in the last of the last days, in a time in which you're showing yourself strong and protecting and blessing your people. So in our travels on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, whether it be for recreation, pleasure, or whether it be for work. We thank you that we are protected in Jesus' name. Father, we also thank you that in the righteous labor of our, labor of our hands, we know some work in the medical field, some work out in the ocean, some work in the, in the oil industry, some work uh, in their own business, some work in other places. But Father, every place we handle the resource you've given us, we declare we are not subject to accidents, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. For we abide under the shadow of the Most High, blessed and kept by the goodness of our Lord. Thank you, Father, for that door of utterance we have. Let the fire of evangelism burn in our spirits, Lord. Let us not know people by the flesh. Let us know them in the spirit. Let us see our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, those we go to school with, as people that are lost, undone, without God, needing a Savior. Thank you for that door of utterance. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We leave today walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.